Now we are here with our series finale, episode number five, Mainstreaming Enlightenment. We've talked about a lot. We've covered a lot of ground. We've had a lot of examples. We've gone deep into some very interesting things with quite outlandish And by now you should be getting the picture of what it is that we're talking about, the sort of essence, the sort of feeling, the sort of vibe. It's something slightly intangible, something slightly mysterious, something hard to put your finger on, almost like a nebulous cloud. And I hope you've been following along because everything that we talk about in this final episode will build on everything that's been before. And we've saved the best till last. I really have saved the best till last. And partly the reason it's the best at the last is because it's the last and it has been building through all the previous discussions that we've had. So make sure you listen back. You only really get one chance to listen to things in order. We really only get one chance to hear for the... Well, you do only get one chance to hear it for the first time. So don't waste that by skipping around. And today, the best thing, the wonderful thing, this amazing piece of popular culture that I've got to share with you is the song Drops of Jupiter by Train. Very famous song, super famous, hugely, outrageously famous song. And I'd like to go through the lyrics and we'll read some of the lyrics and we'll draw some implications, we'll draw some stories, we'll draw some meanings from them. But before we launch right off into that, I probably should say at least a few things about, well, just how not enlightened, the mainstream is. And I think if you've been listening along to the series, you'd get that by now. You'd see how that is the case, why that is the case. And it's not just that the mainstream is unenlightened or really not poised towards higher consciousness or awareness or those better things that we can get from life, but it's also that it's actually pretending to be a good thing. It's pretending to be of a higher nature. It's pretending to have some sort of deep appeal. And so much of culture is simply inauthentic. It's full of lies. It's full of deception. I could even say it's full of devilry. It is the devil, (laughs) if you want to put it in such terms. It's about quick fixes. It's about really just that dirty sales, that quick, dirty profit. Has no real vision for a holistic service or product or what's the broader implications are, what the broader implications are, or how the product or the service fits in with 
the rest of our ecosystem, our biosystem, our noosphere, our technological sphere as well, and even our informational sphere. So there really is something in, it's really quite important. And, and the whole reason we're talking about this is to understand this thing in all its dynamic ways of functioning. And it's this thing which is your defense of the popular culture. It's your ability to say, that is wrong. That is not a good thing. It's your ability to say, hey, there's some deception going on here and I can feel myself getting sucked into it because of how enticing it is, how gratifying it appears to be on the surface. And this thing within you that is able to say this is wrong needs to be dynamic. It needs to be complex. It needs to be fluid. It needs to be flowing. Because you can't go around in a constant state of defense. You can't go around in a constant state of denial. You can't always be saying society is wrong. Advertising is wrong. Corporations are wrong. Big business is bad. And so on with this kind of dialogue. You have to actually be able to recognize something and see its complexities and see its ins and outs and actually see how it's connected with the good. See how it's connected with insight. See how it is actually drawing something from the profound in a very diluted kind of way. And occasionally, very rarely, sometimes, you actually do get a piece of popular culture which really does point to something profound. Really does point to something magical. Something that is enlightening. And I believe I've found something in this song, Drops of Jupiter, by Train. Now, a lot of mainstream music fits into the latter category, which is that it's appealing to your lower self. The lyrical content is about things that are, well, just raunchy. Raunchy relationships, love, sex, sort of showing off glamour culture, all sorts of things. And these sorts of themes are calculated. They are actually worked upon in a studio with a producer, with a team, with a record label, with a corporation, with companies, with branding, with marketing. The whole thing, and it's all poised for profit. It's all poised for appealing to the broader, the broader audience. So mainstream music in many ways is equivalent to your fast food. It's equivalent to your sugary drinks. It's equivalent to the quick fix advertising, the capture your attention for a split second kind of advertising. And music, mainstream music, is, well, it's just contrived. Contrived. 
And you have to understand that all these components, all these mechanisms, they're all working together. They're all within these giant machines, such as the corporation and the record labels and all sorts of things that go along with the music industry. And no one really knows. No one really knows how it works. Everyone is sort of doing their thing and they're pushed by certain values and beliefs and desires which are not conscious to them. Now, that's not as to say that the mainstream music industry is devoid of creative expression or artistic inventiveness. Not at all. Because you could say that, well, actually, Dosta, at some point, someone does have to sit down and write the song. And that's true, but it's not one person. And it's not from a place of soul. It's very rarely from a place of soul. And you see this in so many industries. You see this in the film industry as well. Certain films cannot be made because of the limits that they have on their creative expression. Certain things just do not exist. There is a, there is a machine of the mainstream. It's kind, of like a, it's kind of like a monster. It's a monster that only allows certain things in. It only allows certain things to actually make its way to the top. And that's the way it's always going to be. There's always going to be a mainstream. And that's why it's so important to find those little things. That's why subcultures are so important to explore and different cultures and those obscure things and those things that are made by individuals independently. Independent films, that is an industry. Independent music, that is also an industry. It's very different to the mainstream industry. And even in just saying that, if you know anything about music, then you can hear the difference by me just saying it. Like I can ask you, do you like, do you like mainstream music or do you like independent music? Do you like in indie artists, we call them. Unsigned artists. And then you can say, further on the spectrum, you can say, do you like underground artists? Or unheard of artists? And there are certain musicians that you've never heard of. Local musicians, we could call them. Do you like your local music scene? And that would be where you go and see a band and you see them play at your pub or at your local music venue or your local music institution. And then afterwards, you actually have a beer with them or you sit down and you talk to them. And then later on, well, you might get a music lesson with them. Or you actually see them down at the shops. And you actually go out for coffee with them sometime. And they're actually part of your friends. Or maybe not your friends, but they're sort of around the city. They're local. That's very different. That's a very different kind of soul that gives birth to a very different taste in music. And living in that scene, the local music scene, 
allows you for much more profound and much more pure sets of values. Now, for most of this series, we have been talking about advertising. But music is, well, it's also part of the mainstream. And also advertising and even product placement does exist within music. This is where we have now the video clips which show you certain products in close detail. So you'll have Eminem using some sort of phone or drinking some sort of drink. That's all meticulously designed. That's all carefully designed. For, for one product to be in an Eminem video for just a few seconds can cost tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Did you know that? Did you know that just a few seconds in an M&M video is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to advertisers? Because think of it. Think of the impressions. The M&M video is going to get how many billion views? How much influence, how much reach, how many impressions is that going to have? And to advertisers, well, they see that and they say, well, that's the opportunity. That's the influence that they can have. So music is very much ingrained into everything else, including the corporations and branding. So without further preamble, let's let's get into our song for today. And this this for me was one of those songs where well, we all have those mainstream songs that are just part of our culture. And I never really listened much to mainstream music. And yet there is always something that you have as that as a child when you're growing up because wherever you are in any part of the world, you're being exposed to music. You have something that is your childhood music. You know, it's just on the radio, it's in the background, or a friend listens to it in the car, or you might hear it down the road, or you hear your neighbor listening to it, whatever. It's just, it's just around. Now, in some cultures, it's traditional music. But in the West, we have, well, the mainstream music. And this was one of those songs for me. It was one of those songs where if I heard it again... Years later, I'd think, oh, yeah, you know, I remember hearing that as a kid. And I wouldn't think much more of it. Normally, normally I wouldn't think much more of it. But (laughs) because I know a certain thing, because I'm on the lookout for a certain thing, because I have this certain little secret, which is making sense of some of the things around me or not really making sense, I should say, rather. I have this little thing which is like a bell that goes off or a light that goes on. A bell that goes off, a light that goes on. (laughs) A light that goes on when a certain thing is triggered within me. And we could call this, for the sake of this conversation, the enlightenment bell or the enlightenment light or the enlightenment if we're talking about the light. <laughs> and it happened for me when I heard this song and I was at a party 
and I was a little bit drunk. It was quite late in the night, and yes, I do very rarely still drink. It's very rare, but that's not really anything to do with the conversation we're talking about. And it was karaoke. We were having some outrageously out-of-tune bad singing, as karaoke is. And someone called this song, and they got up and they sung it. And I was sort of sitting back on the couch, remembering like, oh, yeah, this is an old song. And I watched the lyrics come along, and it dawned on me, as I actually heard what the exact lyrics were, it dawned on me. Now, for many pop songs, you sort of think you know the lyrics, but you don't really. And I've actually talked about this in the past. I suggest actually learning the lyrics can be a kind of awareness practice. And I'd never really known this song very well anyway, but when I was watching the karaoke and able to follow along the exact lyrics, I could see them for exactly what they were, clear as day. And it dawned on me, it dawned on me that this song is about enlightenment. This song is about the very thing that is the deepest, truest nature of the human condition. It's really the most amazing thing. It's the most astonishing thing. And I find it exciting. I find it beautiful, tremendously beautiful. It's something that I would wish more often that I would remember. It's something that I hope I never forget the importance of. And I sat there on the couch listening to this terribly out-of-tune singer, following along the lyrics, and I was just gobsmacked. I just thought, wow, this is what it's all about, and it's plain as day, right in front of the mainstream. So what does it mean to dance among the stars? What does it mean to soar up high to the highest heights of the universe? What does it mean to really go out there searching for soul and more significantly than just searching for soul, but actually finding it? What does it mean to break out of boundaries, not just a little bit of a way, not just a far way, not just a long way, but astronomically? What does it mean to break out totally? What does it mean to break through? And after all this, even further beyond again, what does it mean to come home? What does it mean to come back? And these questions, these things are the things that 
Well, we want. This is the story of enlightenment. This is the thing. This is the thing that you find. When you become enlightened, you learn to dance among the stars. You become light. You float up. You become light as in not dark because you're flying around the stars. You're flying around the sun. You become light as in not heavy, as in you're flying. You don't have gravity pulling you down anymore. You don't have the weight of the earth sucking on you. And this is an experience that I would wish for everyone. It is a little bit abstract, because in some ways it's a metaphor. In some ways it's a, an image which is actually meant to point towards something. If I can try to make it a little more literal, then I can say that what it's pointing towards is these, experience or these, these experiences of transcendence, which are important for grounding us in beauty and things that are meaningful and things that are significant. And these sorts of experiences are often not involved with what we would call normal experiences. And they're also fundamental, they're epistemic. So, for example, a normal experience would be the idea that, or the experience that, you are looking out your eyes. You're looking forwards. This idea that you're looking forwards from a face. This thing of the you being in a place and the perception going out and coming in, this sort of two-way in and out thing, is something that can be dissolved. It's something that actually disintegrates when you start to fly up through the sky, through the stars, into the atmosphere. And you can get a sense of this even just by visualizing And you can do the exact visualization of the stars. It actually works. That's why this story exists. You close your eyes. And you imagine the sun. You imagine the sun burning in its infinite inferno. And you imagine it bright, blinding you. And you sail across, around, and beyond, and off into a distance. And as you're in that distance, you see great nebulas and different colors of stardust and distant galaxies floating slowly. And you come across an undiscovered planet. And you don't know how big it is. You don't know how long it's been there. You don't know what it's like down on its surface. And you fly by. And you fly on to more planets, to more moons, to more stars. 
And the deeper you go, the deeper you see, the more clear it is that you actually look out and around these stars and these planets. The more that sense of looking dissolves, because you can remember way back there when you were in front of the sun. You can remember what it was like to be blinded by it. And how now, from this point of view, things seem to look very different. And this continues deeper until your sense of what it means to look actually change, actually changes. And you, miss, you must realize that you are also looking right now, whether your eyes are open or closed, you are looking. And can you see what you're looking at right now? Can you see that what's in front of your face, going into your eyes, is an image that has the same quality as the images you received as you went around the stars, as you looked at the sun, as you looked at that undiscovered planet and discovered what it was like down on its surface, as you went off further into the distance and saw galaxies and moons and nebula. Can you see that those are both visions? They're both, they're both things that are making an impression on you. They're both things that you're perceiving. And that idea of having both of those things dissolve, those sort of two differences of the imagination we might call or visualization and the what we might at this stage call conventional seeing is the trick to becoming something that is not quite where you are now and dissolving this sense of looking out the eyes. So without further ado, let's take a look with all that in mind at this song, Drops of Jupiter by Train. Now that she's back in the atmosphere, whoa, where has she been? She's arriving back in the atmosphere. Normally, when we say someone's going out to the atmosphere, they're going up, but she's actually arriving back. So the stakes are high. The <laughs> We're talking quite big things if she's arriving home and she's in the atmosphere. And she has drops of Jupiter in her hair. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that just the perfect image of something so large, something so astronomical, right next to something so simple, so pure, her hair. 
She acts like summer and she walks like rain. This is so beautiful. Such poetry. You know what it's like to act like summer? Do you know the person that acts like summer and walks like rain? She reminds me that there's a time to change. Now, this is a big point. Because when you meet someone who's been to out of space, they have a way of holding you to your higher self. They have a way, in a very subtle way, not in a sort of, okay, now I'm going to give you a self-help talk or a motivational speak kind of way. No, but in a subtle way, they have a way of bringing you up to your better self, bringing your better self forward. And she reminds him that there's a time to change. That better self knows when it's time to change. That better self knows that it's actually important to make some changes. Very important. Since the return from her stay on the moon, she listens like spring and she talks like June. That is just beautiful. To listen like spring. Do you know that listening to someone talk can have the same kind of implication or the same kind of experience as a season? You know that hearing someone talk can be of the same experience as a season. Do you remember what it's like to experience spring? Do you know the essence of spring? Do you have that within you? When someone says, do you remember what spring is like? What comes to mind? What do you have within you that is connected to spring? And that thing actually can be triggered when someone listens to you. She listens like spring. But tell me, he says, tell me, did you sail across the sun? Did you make it to the Milky Way? To see the lights all faded and that heaven is overrated. So he wants to know, tell us the story. I know you've been across the universe. I know you've been to outer space. What was it like? Was it like this? And in this line that heaven is overrated, well, there's a lot in that because you could say that, well, maybe it's just that things don't mean as much and they're not as cracked up as they mean to be. And that's sort of a cause to just have a bit of apathy and just quiet like, oh, life, plain old life, boring old life. But in another sense, I would actually take it as something quite positive. Because what's implied in that heaven is overrated is that you've found something better. It's actually that you've gone beyond this notion that you had of what heaven is. And that is profound. That in that one line shows a, a vast 
amount of progress that happens in these long journeys. Heaven is overrated. Your idea of the good, your idea of the most beautiful thing, your idea of pleasure, your idea of joy, happiness, your idea of bliss, all these things, and not even just your ideas, but also your experiences, your, your very deep experiences, your real core personal subjective experience of these things, and we can all sum up these things, we can sum up all these things as heaven is only going to be just a small part of what you will find. It will seem like I thought it was all so much, but really it's not quite as much as I thought it was. Tell me, did you fall from a food did you fall for a shooting star? Now I, I have at times thought he said, Tell me, did you fall from a shooting star? But it's actually tell me, did you fall for a shooting star? Which perhaps is just a incidental nuance because when you fall for someone you fall in love that's one way of looking at this and falling from a shooting star is well that's a way of saying you know you're beautiful you're the one that I'm in love with you and he goes on to sing one without a permanent scar and that's significant as well to have scars that are not permanent To have scars means to say that you have been hurt. You do have your wounds. But to know that they're not permanent means there will be a time again when everything is perfect again. And then you missed me while you were looking for yourself out there. He sings. Now that she's back from that soul vacation tracing her way through the constellation. She checks out Mozart while she does taboo. Reminds me that there's time to grow, or that there's room to grow. So this is an echo. There's The line that says, reminds me that there's room to grow, is an echo of the line, reminds me there's a time to change. So living up to his better self. And do you know what a soul vacation is? Have you ever been on a soul vacation? You can actually do this. Normally a holiday is where you take a rest from work. You take a rest from your normal environment. And do you know what that means to put your soul in a different place? You have to be quite aware of it in order to do it, because it's quite easy to say, well, my body has been in a different place. And you can get a sense of this when you say, oh, he went on holidays, but he didn't really go on holidays because he took his work with him. And that would be the, the person that packs up their stuff, flies halfway around the world, and then sets up their stuff and keeps working. And actually, there was a time when <laughs> one of the companies I worked in where people were not going anywhere 
but they were going on holidays by not doing their work. <laughs> so they would say they would stay on holidays and say, "Don't don't call me. I'm not going to respond to any emails, and I'm not going to do anything. My phone and my computer will be off. I'm on holidays." And they say, "Oh, where are you going?" And say, "Oh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to be in my room. <laughs> I'm just going to be at home." But the same thing applies to the soul vacation. The same thing applies to, well, what does it mean to actually put your soul in a different place? What does it actually mean to be in touch with your soul and give it some new, fresh food to feed the soul? Do you know what it means to feed the soul? It's definitely something to contemplate something to figure out when you get in touch with your soul and she checks out mozart while she does taboo so this is like okay so she checks out mozart what's the significance there so mozart well it's music but it's classy music you see she's not into the mainstream stuff she's into classical music something that's refined she's into something that is Really very detailed, very subtle. It's not the mainstream. It's not like she say it's not like he sings, oh, she checks out the top forty hits. Now that that wouldn't work, right? That wouldn't work if she he was singing that. There would be no soul in that. So he says, Well, she checks out Mozart. And what does she do? While she's checking out Mozart, she does taboo. You know what taboo is? It's a kind of martial arts which is designed for fitness so when you come back from your soul vacation when you come back from your trip around the stars one thing you'll notice is that your good habits clean up and you start doing those things that are good for you you know how you say oh i really should meditate or i really should exercise i really should do some yoga i really should do some tai chi or some qigong or whatever it is that you use as your practice well now she does it and taboo is the great is a perfect example because it's not quite it's not quite fitness and it's not quite martial arts it's in between he could have sung she checks out mozart while she does the gym and martial arts but that wouldn't really work it wouldn't really rhyme either and also he goes on to say that now that she's back in the atmosphere I'm afraid that she might think of me as plain old Jane told a story about a man who was too afraid to fly, so he never did land. When you come back from your trip around the stars, your old friends will seem different. In some ways they will seem smaller. And it might be that they get a sense that, oh, have you grown too much that we can't be friends anymore? Have you changed so much that we can't relate in the ways that we used to? Which means that we can't relate at all. Am I just someone who was too afraid to go on that trip myself? I was too afraid to fly so we can't be friends because I couldn't follow you off into the stars. That's what he's saying. That's what's happening here. And there is something in the relationship between flying and landing. 
It's very clever that he's put those two things together. Too afraid to fly, so he never did land. The landing is the coming home. The landing is the real resolution that comes from, oh, this is hitting a nerve. The, ooh, this is a sensitive subject. The resolution that comes from the journey amongst the stars. That new resolve. Do you know what it means to have a resolve? It means to know something in your bones. When you've been around the stars, there's no arguing about it. It's real to you. There's no way that you can talk about... It's, not, it's, it's, like, it's like talking about aviation flight to an ast- astronaut. Like, look at the difference. Like, imagine, imagine we've got this conversation where there's this aviation pilot, an astronaut, and someone that doesn't believe in flying. It's like, well, the astronaut knows, right? He knows so far beyond a doubt that flying is possible. And maybe it's not even more or less than the aviation pilot. <laughs> but he just knows. He knows it in his bone. That's resolve. It's not a strong it doesn't require a strong conviction. It's not like he's going to say to that person who doesn't believe, "Well, I definitely believe in flight." The aviation pilot and the astronaut is not really going to try and convince too hard this person that doesn't believe in flying. And that's an image of resolve. That's an image of understanding which you can't mess with. And he continues in these lyrics, But tell me, did the wind sweep you off your feet? Did you finally get the chance to dance along the light of day and head back? To the Milky Way. At this stage, we'd have to ask, well, you seem to know a lot about this. How do you know all about this? You seem to be asking very good questions. So it's not as though we've got this man down on planet Earth and his woman has gone up into outer space on her soul vacation and then come back and now they have to reassess their relationship Not exactly, because it seems like he's saying things which would imply he actually knows quite a bit about a soul vacation around the stars. He says, tell me, did the wind sweep you off your feet? Did you finally get the chance to dance along the light of day and head back to the Milky Way? Well, that's what it's all about. Your questions have implied that you know what it's all about, and you want to know that I got the point. Me being the woman, whoever he's talking to. He is asking the woman certain questions which would imply that he knows the nature of what's happened to her. He knows the nature of what she's been through. And she just... He just wants to have it confirmed by her. Did you really get the point? Did you really get to dance along the light of day? And he goes on at this point to say, Tell me, did Venus blow your mind? 
Was it everything you wanted to find? And at this point, we have to say, he knows. He knows. He knows what it's all about. And now they're sharing in it. Now they're sharing in it. Because she's been on that journey for herself. And he says, and you missed me while you were looking for yourself out there. And so there is something between them that can't be replaced by a trip around the stars. And then he suddenly bounces into these lyrics, which are, Can you imagine no love, pride, deep-fried chicken? Your best friend always sticking up for you, even when I know you're wrong. Now, hang on a second. Why is he singing about deep-fried chicken? We've been just up about the stars. We've just been all about enlightenment and these outrageously big things. And all of a sudden, he's talking about deep-fried chicken. That's a very mundane sort of... It's even a little bit unhealthy. It's not enlightenment, is it? Well, no, exactly, because... Not exactly because he's actually pointing out what it means to integrate into the mundane, these giant ideas. Can you imagine life without deep fried chicken? And in this line, your best friend always sticking up for you, even when I know you're wrong. Well, that is a beautiful moral dilemma. That just shows the whole thing about how morality works. It's a question of right and wrong. You can see the bigger truth in a wrong in just these two lines. Your best friend always sticking up for you, even when I know you're wrong. Your friend is wrong, but actually there's a bigger principle, which is friendship. Friendship is not about right or wrong. It's about sticking up for them, sticking with them, seeing it through, being on their side, even when they're wrong. What a beautiful expression of a moral dilemma. What a beautiful illustration of a higher value. Can you imagine no first dance, freeze-dried romance, five-hour conversation, the best soy latte that you ever had, and me. So he's saying, well, what about those mundane pleasures? What about those old things? Don't you still want those? The soy latte. This is like the deep fried chicken. It's just something mundane. The simple pleasures in life. We don't have to go up to Jupiter. We can stay right down here with just that nice little sip on a coffee. And he sings the chorus again. Did this wind sweep you off your feet? Did you finally get the chance to dance along the light of day and head back to the Milky Way? Did you sail across the sun? Did you make it to the Milky Way to see the lights all faded and that heaven is overrated? And tell me, did you fall for a shooting star? One without a permanent scar. And you missed me 
while you were looking for yourself? And did you finally get the chance to dance along the light of day? And did you fall for a shooting star? Fall for a shooting star. And now you're lonely looking for yourself out there. And it is lonely up amongst the stars. As beautiful as nebula is, it's not quite the same as deep fried chicken and soy latte. Are you lonely looking for yourself up there? And the answer is, well, yes. Which is why people come back to Earth. It's why people land. It's why we integrate those mundane things, those old things, those simple pleasures. And in fact, the answer to the question of whether that old friend is now sort of someone you can't be friends with is no. The answer to that question is no. And I hope it's clear, I need to make this clear, that what I mean to say is that you can be friends with them. to ask whether you can or can't be friends with them anymore is to say, no, I can't not be friends. <laughs> See, this is, this is the funny thing in English. When we speak in English, we have this thing of negatives and double positives. And maybe it's in other languages too. And actually, you see it in this, in this song when he says, can you tell me no First dance, freeze-dried romance. When actually you are imagining it when he says that. Now, in some languages, when you would say that, if you put it into the mind, it's an affirmative. And in others, well, you have to understand the structure of the linguistics. But this is just a linguistic... A, ling a linguistical trick that I'm sort of tripping over here and there. It's just words that I'm tripping over. I'm just trying to make this clear. The point, the clear point, is that you can be friends with those old friends. And you can be lonely up amongst the stars. And that's the story of enlightenment. That's, in that's the story of going out to the stars and coming back. Because when you come back... Well, you have to deal with the mundane. You have to deal with the old things. You have to deal with those little pleasures. You still have to work with what you've got. And in so many ways, taking a trip to the stars is just a momentary thing. It is still only a part of a larger web of experiences. And in fact, this is very much the same case as, well, 
listening to a beautiful song, being touched for a moment by music. Those moments where music really speaks to you. Those moments where you really feel it deep inside. Well, those moments need to be integrated. Those moments need to be translated into the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your month, your relationships, your ideas about what you're doing in life, what's important, what your values are, and so on, and all the rest of it, your habits, your practices, your exercises, your knowledge. And if you can do it with just a few things, then you can start to get an idea of how it's all things. You can start to get a sense of how there is this thing. There's this funny thing that's doing the navigating. There's this thing at work which is pointing towards something. And this is what all the things that we've talked about in this series has been pointing towards. It's what they all point towards. Whether it's a song or an advertising for banking on the side of a bus or a wine advertisement or a logo for a big film company or whether it's Himalayan carpet cleaning. They all point towards something. They all have a direction. They all have this thing which is yearning to get forward, to come out, to be pronounced, to announce itself into existence. And that's what you want to be in touch with. That's what you want to tap into. That's what you want to be aware of. The source of that is the source of all things. And how it manifests for you will be as different as the next thing. It'll be as different as Himalayan carpet cleaning and the song Drops of Jupiter by Train. But it is a kind of magic. It is a kind of beauty that I believe is available to all and well worth pursuing, well worth understanding. So I think that will be quite enough for this series. I've really enjoyed this series. It really has been a good one. And I hope I've made my points clear. And check out the song, Drops of Jupiter. No affiliate marketing. (laughs) I don't know if affiliate marketing has ever stretched that far. (laughs) But have a listen. It's very mainstream. And if you are a regular listener, if you've listened this far, I'll just ask, please share your favorite episode. As this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And if 
you have the time, if you feel to do so, please leave a review on wherever you listen to this. Of course, only if it's a positive review. <laughs> only if it's a only if it's a five star review. <laughs> if it's a if it's a negative review, no need to place. Not needed. Do not review. <laughs> and I I basically never ask anyone to subscribe because I don't see the point in it. But if you do feel to subscribe on whatever platform, then do so as well. But I don't really see much point in subscribing because I'm really just trying to get a message across. So it would be more meaningful to me for me to say, hear my message or get on board with my message. Fo- follow me along as I talk rather than subscribe. But I, maybe that just shows my lack of understanding of how this technology works or how this informational platform these informational platforms work so subscribe if you'd like and if you are really switched on follow along what i'm saying and understand the principles that's so much more important than a subscription understand the principles the concepts do the practices do the meditations experiment with them so thanks very much for tuning in We'll be back very soon with more. Have a beautiful day. Take care of yourself. Don't forget to meditate. Be nice to people. Keep your head up. And that's all I have to say for now.